Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. It's Friday. And that means it's Godzilla. Get the drawn butter. <laughs> We're going to need it this time. Mmm, a little bit of a little squirt of lemon in there. Uh, my name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. I write for The Rap. I write for The Film Verdict. And I write for Slash Film. Everybody calls me Boobs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. I uh, write for Slash Film and just Slash Film these days. That, mm. that is my outlet. You've made a home uh, there. You've tucked in like and, a tick. Uh, and, and, and we're going to munch into some crunchy crustacean this week. Oh my god. This week on Thank Godzilla, It's Friday. It's the podcast where we review every Godzilla movie and ancillary Godzilla movie ever made. Uh, we, we've hit an interesting, an interesting film for a couple of reasons. Uh, almost every movie we've reviewed so far uh-huh. has been directed by Ishiro Honda. Uh, Godzilla Raids Again is the only one that hasn't been. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, the first time we've, or I guess, did Jun Fukuda do Godzilla Raids again? No. No. So this is the first time we've seen Jun Fukuda. Yes, and we will and, be seeing Jun Fukuda And again. we're going to see a lot of Jun Fukuda, and yeah. it is night and day. Oh, they have very uh, different they, approaches they, to this yeah, thing. Um, uh, it, it, think of uh, Conan the Barbarian. Mm. Uh, you know, still sort of like genre picture but with an air of mysticism about it. There's a good pacing, there's a good atmosphere in that movie. Yeah. It, it feels like the filmmakers went out of their way to um, make it feel really mythic. Yeah. And now compare that to Conan the Destroyer, which <laughs> yeah. is a, a Saturday morning cartoon. It's a comic book. Yeah. It's fun. Um, I actually like that movie, but it's a yeah, totally different it's, it's totally different. I yeah. like them both. Yeah. I actually prefer the, because I, I saw it first, I prefer yeah. Conan the Destroyer. But uh, I never understand the absolute hatred some people have. I, I get it. Uh-huh. The John Melius version was more epic and serious. Conan the Destroyer is fun. Mm. It is the matinee version, but it is a good matinee version. And I have uh, a blast watching that movie. Uh, Ishida Honda yeah. uh, did make genre pictures. He made tokusatsu films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with mon- Quite a few. Monsters and special effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't even covered but- all of them. Like some no, of them are unrelated no, no, no. to Godzilla. No, we we were watching like just snippets of like he made like twelve films a year. It was just super <laughs> prolific. No, it's yes. an exaggeration, but he was very yeah. prolific. Uh, he he's not quite as prolific as me, K, but you know he's he's mm-hmm. getting there. Yeah. Uh, and he brought a little bit of uh, just sort of filmmaking acumen. Mm-hmm. He knew where to put the camera mm-hmm. to make a film feel a little bit classical, even as he's making, you know, giant Frankensteins wailing on each other. And again, he's the guy who directed the first Godzilla, or Gojira, mm-hmm. which was a very serious motion picture. It had a lot of class. It had a lot of... Uh, 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 it was very somber. Yeah. Uh, and yet he has stuck with the franchise. He's directed almost every installment in it as it has gotten progressively weirder uh-huh. More ridiculous, uh, really expanded in genre. Uh, it's kind of evolved really far from its original version, but Ishiro Honda has been there for pretty much all of it. Sometimes not happy with the way it, it turned out, but you know he he's he's been there to guide yeah. the whole process. And again, they they kind of cranked out Godzilla raids again. Yeah, and I like that movie. I think that's a fun movie. It's I, it's not the best, but it's it, it's clearly very cheap. But, yeah. yeah, it works though, and I think it's I think it's a blast. Um, but this is again, Godzilla's been going for a while now, and handing over the reins now is a change. And it, mm. and the film we're reviewing today, Ibira, Horror of the Deep, has similarities, but it is also very very different. It, it Well, it has a little bit more of that matinee functionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ishida Honda's films were sometimes pretty oblique. Like, you weren't really sure who was doing what or what the aliens were up to mm-hmm. in any given scene. But uh, he he was ambitious. Yeah. 
Jun Fukuda is stripping it way down. Yeah. Story's very simple. We have mm-hmm. a very small set of characters. There's not a vast... I guess there is kind of a vast conspiracy, but... Well, it's vague, all... though. It's it's like they don't mm-hmm. even... At, at the very least, Ishiro Hondo's like, if there was a vast conspiracy or if aliens were involved or something like that, it would be laid out for you and it would be treated like it's really, really important. There is a terrorist organization in Ibiro Horror of the Deep that is kidnapping people forcing them to do, like, really horrible, brutal labor on an island so that they can build an arsenal of nuclear bombs while they are protected by their giant lobster monster. They're not... They're not protected... Well, I guess Eh, they are kind of. Kind of. We'll talk about that in a second. The plot's weird. But we never find out why. (laughs) We don't know who they're working for. We don't know what their agenda is. We don't know what they plan to do with all those bombs. Were they going to start their own country? Were they going to conquer one particular country? Were they going to conquer the world? Did they want to destroy the whole world? Never brought up once. It literally... They don't even play around with it. Like, literally... Does not come up. This is one of those movies, one of those very strange movies that kind of changes genre every five minutes for a while until it finally figures out what the hell it is. And what the hell it is is a weird hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different genres. Uh, I'm used to now in these these Godzilla and related kaiju movies for there to be like, you know, the kaiju element and then the somewhat unrelated genre film that has been interrupted. Yeah. By the kaiju. Like, oh, Do- this one was a diamond heist, yeah, Do- and then a kaiju showed up. Dogora is the, is the prime example it of really that. It really is. It's, you know, yeah. it's a diamond heist movie, and then there's a space amoeba. But then even even to different degrees. Like, Rodan is a murder mystery until the mm. giant, like, insect monsters oh, show up. Jun Fukuda did uh, Rodan. Mm, nah, did he? Did he? Yeah. I don't think so. It, it wasn't Ishiro Honda. I'm looking this up right now. I'm pretty sure uh, he did Rodan. Hold on. Rodan, 1956, directed by Ishiro Honda. Oh, Jun Fukuda... Uh, he was like an assistant director for a while. Yeah, he, he worked on it. Yeah, yeah he, he worked on a lot of these movies. He was an AD. He didn't direct it. He yeah. didn't come from nowhere. He worked on a lot of these movies. He was assistant director for a long time. Uh, and uh, when with this particular film, which has a very strange production history, uh, Jun Fukuda ended up taking over the reins and bringing his own flavor to it. Apparently, Jun Fukuda... Not very happy with this film. <laughs> and when all was said and done, uh, apparently I, I can year, see why years, it's not great. Um, years, years after it came out, they like released it on home video, mm. and the studio sent him a copy, and he was like, "Oh, I wish you hadn't reminded me." <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said he never even watched it again. Um, well, and this is uh, pretty notorious because it was one of the Godzilla films that showed up on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yes, uh, it was the American dub, mm-hmm. uh, not the version I watched on the Criterion Channel. Yeah. Uh, so it's a slightly different cut. The dialogue is a little strange, so it feels campier when yeah. you're watching it on late night TV, especially with commercial breaks. A lot of those American dubs, especially the early American dubs, hmm. they didn't care. You can tell no, some they, people they were cared just more trying than... to crank them out as quickly as possible. Every once in a while, you'd see an, a lot of American dubs of, especially of genre films. A lot of American dubs of like kung fu movies in the seventies are just abysmal. Mm. Even though the movies, it's it's frustrating because the original movie is a classic, like it's great. And then, and then the, the they Amer- just some American producer cut it to ribbons. First of all, cut it to ribbons, like, and then yeah, dubbed it in with American actors who were just sort of given lines, and they had to record it kind of essentially live. And sometimes the I, actors not, are playing more than one character. It doesn't and, look yeah. like a lot of care went into it. And I've seen absolutely beautiful movies. I would put on a list of the greatest movies ever made, or at least the greatest action movies ever made. And then I would watch like the American dub and I'm like, I get why critics were harsh to these movies. Mm-hmm. They were not being presented with a good version of it. And yeah. that sucks. You can still see a lot of the beauty in it if you're willing to look, but the American releases of a lot of these movies didn't make it easy. So yeah, this Godzilla movie was released on MST3K. I think this one was, if memory serves, they did a box set 
when they were when uh, Shout Factory was releasing their uh, their various box sets of MST3K, oh, yeah. and there was one that had a God's one of the Godzilla movies on it, and then they had to pull it immediately because they they didn't have the the yeah they thought the they had the rights to just, rights they yeah. thought they had the home video distribution rights. It turns out they did not. If you have that box set, that's probably worth a lot of money. And then if memory serves, they uh, reissued it very quickly with I think the giant Gila monster. Yeah, they, they replaced it. Yeah, um, which is still a good set, but you know the Godzilla one isn't uh, isn't there. Uh, even though they don't have the rights to distribute the MST3K Godzilla episodes, all the old Joel MST3K episodes have Godzilla in the credits. Yeah. Which yeah. I always thought was funny. Like, where, I haven't seen that one. They never show it anymore. Um, but um, anyway, so yeah, this has some notoriety for that. But this is also one of the movies that started out, at least conceptually, as a King Kong movie. Yes. Toho, which had done King Kong vs. Godzilla, had the rights to do some more King Kong movies over the course of, a, I believe, about five years. They would end up only doing one, and we will get to that next week. Mm. But they tried a few times, and they almost always just ended up just dropping in Godzilla instead. Well, it's, it's proven. We, we got the suit. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, I think it was allegedly uh, Ro- uh, Operation Robinson Caruso, King Kong versus Ebera, which is a hell of a title. Um, and it was going to involve Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass is about to, at this point in the timeline, do an animated series based on King Kong, in which King Kong has like a, a little kid human friend and they go on adventures. And it has a fun theme song, actually. King Kong, you know the name of King <laughs> Kong. It's great. Listen to the whole thing; it's delightful. Um, but uh, yeah, it didn't. It didn't work out. Apparently, one of the reasons why it didn't work out was that Rankin Bass wanted it to be made by Ashiro Honda and Aiji Tsuburaya. Okay. Toho didn't want yeah. them to do this one for some reason. A.G. Tsuburaya is the, the special yeah. effects wizard who yeah. made all of the monsters. So. Yeah, they wanted, uh, in this film, Jun Fukuda did uh, the live action. Uh, and uh, it was actually uh, someone who had worked under A.G. Tsuburaya, uh, Sadamasa Arikara, uh, mm-hmm. was going to do the visual effects on this. Uh, and so Rankin Bass bowed out, and then they just mm-hmm. decided, well... Let's just take the script and instead of God's instead of King Kong, we'll just make it Godzilla. And unlike, for example, when they turned Frankenstein into King Kong mm-hmm. in King in Kong versus Kong, Godzilla, yeah. it, it's a little less distracting because it makes a little more sense here. Because it's like, why, why is King Kong supercharged by electricity? And why are we treating that like it's normal? Like, <laughs> like, it, like it just makes as, sense. As, as we like, covered in King Kong vs. Godzilla, yeah. the, it, it was a last minute change to insert King Kong into that movie. It was originally yeah. going to be a giant Frankenstein monster. Yeah. And there was a plot element where the giant Frankenstein monster gets shocked, like more electricity, mm-hmm. like a, the Frankenstein story, and becomes more powerful. When they swapped out King Kong... They left that element in, so King Kong was now shocking himself to get powerful. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make any sense. Uh, I kind of admired sort of like the Dada element of it. Yes, of course, he yeah. gets a like. It's just it's bonkers, he's, he's like, but which, it works. It's just, which crank movie was it where Jason Statham kept having to shock himself? That was to the stay second alive? one. Crank, okay. crank two, high voltage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. High, that's yeah. right. high voltage. Not nearly as so, good as um, the first, but yeah. And it's really unusual because if they were going to bring King Kong back, they just had to carry on with the Frankensteinian element that they inserted into King Kong. Well, they can also just forget about it. They've yeah, done that they've um, done that plenty of times or they or hand wave it away. Didn't we have two Mothras now? Yes, one of them died. Oh. Mm. Yep, no follow up questions? None. <laughs> no <laughs> follow up questions. <laughs> well why why do you think we're so well fed? We eat Mothras. Oh god. No. <laughs> Mothra steak is the best steak. Oh. Uh, I was looking up Age uh, Jun Fukuda's uh, filmography, and the second film uh, he's credited as uh, the main director mm-hmm. uh, was called The Secret of the Telegian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the actual transliterated Japanese title is The Electrically Transmitted Man. Which That's a great is title. Way better. That's a cool title. Yeah. Um, so anyway... Uh, we ended up with uh, uh, with a Godzilla movie proper, Mothra's in it, mm. so that's going to be a real treat. But like a lot of Godzilla movies, uh, we're not going to get to that for a very long time. Uh, I mean, th- these things do follow a structure. We start mm. with the humans, we introduce the monsters about 30 minutes in, and that's right. that's just sort of the pattern these go by. And th- this sticks to that pattern generally. 
Right. But the original, like the opening human story is far too whimsical to mm. hold that structure because we start with mm-hmm. a dance competition. No, 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 no. Skill, you, you missed one. Oh, oh The dance I? competition is like third mm. because it opens with a psychic saying, I have traveled to the underworld. Oh, right. <laughs> it opens with a psychic, an old, uh, oh, okay. an old lady. Excuse me, I forgot about Cause, these Because this scenes. is like, it can't pick a genre for a while. So it starts off as like a supernatural thing. An old psychic lady is like, I have traveled to the underworld and beyond, and I can find no trace of your missing son. And she's like, oh, my son went missing months ago. And see, you're saying he's still alive? Well, he must be. I've literally seen everyone who ever died, and he wasn't there. And I'm like, that's that, that took, have, yeah. Yeah, you, you got that done very quickly. Um, so now her son, her can other I, son. Can I talk to Elvis? No. <laughs> the missing guy's brother mm. takes it upon himself to try to jumpstart the investigation again. And so he goes to the cops. The cops say, yeah, you know, finding missing persons isn't really our jurisdiction. Okay. So he goes to the press. And the press are just like, yeah, stories about missing people aren't really our jurisdiction. And while he's waiting in the, the, the lobby of the press room, he sees a poster for a dance competition. And then he goes to the dance, co- he rips it off the, the, the wall mm. and goes to the dance competition. And the dance competition is one of those they shoot horses, don't they kind of things. Where people have to dance for dance until you drop. Like literally, people have been dancing for three days straight. He goes there, and he goes there because, uh, again, his brother was lost at sea. The grand prize is a yacht, Mm. and he wants a yacht, which is conveniently uh, moored right nearby, and it's also completely unguarded <laughs> yes well they uh he he befriends two guys who had just dropped out of the oh. dance competition luca what is it buddy you, you usually you wait till the end of the podcast to ask See, for uh, treats you want treats now absolutely. you demand it okay luca has hijacked the podcast my cat right. i'm going to take care of him right, right. uh you're going to explain the shenanigans with he meets a couple of he failed meets, dancers yeah, there's, there's these two so yeah, yeah there's two dancers they're friends uh, and they they drop out. They just say, "I can't take it anymore. I'm going to drop out of this race." Uh, they go to sit and rest and rub their feet. And yeah, this uh, guy whose brother is missing is just sort of standing there, just staring at the dancers. And it, it looks like he's like dissociating. Like he doesn't understand what's really going on. And he says, "Okay, can I still win the yacht?" It's like this dance has been going on for two days. I think he kind of missed your shot. And they decide to go look at the yacht together. The three of them. They just met this guy. And, and their justification, by the way, this guy and this is, hasn't this told is, uh, his story. No. He, and the, he literally just basically says, I like yachts. And the, oh. the, These actors are named uh, Tor, Toru Watanabe, uh, Toru Ibuki, and Shocharo Togin. And yeah, they he, he hasn't told them anything about his missing brother. Just he yeah. wants to go see the yacht. And they go on, and they go onto the yacht. They just walk right on. Mm-hmm. They start opening cupboards. Look, there's a lot of food. There's clothes on here. Yeah. And also in the bed happens to be a bank robber. Well, they don't by, know that yet. No, but he's got a gun. He yeah. holds a gun on them. He's like, hey, how dare you sneak onto my yacht, onto this yacht. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Akira Takarada. He's been in a lot of the, the Godzilla movies in mm-hmm. various roles. Uh, reliable guy. He'll always show up. Yeah. Uh, he he says like uh, so like you're on my boat and they're just like yeah we just like boats we thought we would trespass on this boat because we like boats and that's not a crime right and the guy says rather than just kick him off because he's got a gun mm. all right you can spend one night on the boat what yeah you can is, is that I, how that I was works? gonna sleep on this boat uh, you can stay the night there's enough bunks we can all just and again they'll just hang out. We find out very, very quickly there's like a radio thing that a bank robber has absconded and gone missing, and they quickly ascertain this is the guy. He's got a gun, he's a master lockpick, and he's got like a briefcase he refuses to let anyone open. Put yourself in the bank robber's position for a second. I've just robbed a bank. I found a safe place to hide for the night. Yeah, and now three randos have broken into the place... And I'm going to let them sleep over. It's not like he like stays up all night either. They all go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Because when they wake up in the morning, our our, our young, naive hero... The, the brother character, yeah, yeah. ...has stolen the boat 
and has taken them out to sea. And because none of the rest of them know how to sail, hmm. now they've been hijacked. Yeah, this guy kidnapped them. And also, it was revealed that the bank robber's gun mm-hmm. was a prop gun that he used to rob the bank. Because the brother broke it. Like, he mm-hmm. just sort of picked it up and just sort of snapped it in half. I, yeah. The, and, the, and he tries to hit it back to him on a tray, which is a little yeah. odd. The barrel uh, is, like, bent. And mm-hmm. I was like, how did you even do that? It actually didn't occur to me that it was a prop gun. I mm-hmm. thought it was just like, oh, that brother's very strong. You thought he just pulled the gun apart? <laughs> yeah. No. It's, it no, works it, out. I so I, I think that was done to establish the fact that it's, he's, not a da- he's not a bad bank robber. He's not mm-hmm. a dangerous bank robber. A, he's a playful cartoon bank robber. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not a, a bad. He's not a bad guy. He he's got a big round, things. a big round sack full of coins with a dollar sign on it mm-hmm. that he holds over. His he wears a striped shirt just so you know it's him. Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, so they're out at sea. They start running through all their food, and at and this point, I'm like, does he even have an idea of where he's going? Well. Uh, it turns out, yes, because he goes to the island where his brother is. Well, so he kind of knew where... where he uh, goes to the next island over, actually. But they, uh, they, they, they go out, they're well, off well, at sea. They're it's search- not Infant Island. It's no. nearby Infant Island. And there's, there's actually... The, the island actually has a name. Yeah, uh, the I forgot what they is, called it. Hold on. The island is Lechi Island. Lechi Island, that's it. Um, Infant Island is where Mothra is from. Lechi Island is apparently very close to it. Um. But they don't get there directly because storm clouds are brewing. There's a huge storm. And in the midst of the huge storm, and I have to admit, it's my understanding that one of the reasons why Toho wasn't eager to bring back Ashiro Honda and his usual visual effects mm. uh, uh, maestro uh, was because they were big names and they could command a big budget and they wanted to make this one more cheaply. The monster effects at sea are actually pretty cool. The, the effect of it, like yeah. the actual scale of it, it and seeing big. seeing uh, Ebira sort of lurch up out of the ocean yeah. is pretty cool. The These pro- giant claws yeah. just kind of emerge from the sea on their own, and you get like the boat in the foreground, and I'm sure they shot it in a, in a swimming pool or a tank or, or something, uh, but it's briefly convincing. And it leads to this level of I've had so many like nightmares over the years about sea monsters, just giant leviathans living underneath yeah, the yeah. sea. Like I would be on a beach and the water would recede absurdly far because like a tidal wave was coming in. And as it would recede, we would see that underneath the surface this whole time were these like giant insectoid monsters that were just there the whole time and we never knew. And so I got a thing about sea monsters. I was terrified of Monster of the Whale as a kid. I've mentioned that on a recent podcast as well. So seeing Ebera's claws just looming uh-huh. and like picking up the boat and crunching it. I gotta be honest. I, you know, a lot of kaiju aren't very scary. But that was actually kind of intimidating. I was like, oh God, that'd be really scary if you were there, wouldn't it? I, I did think the scale was done really well. Yeah. I think the... The issue is that Ebera is a really dumb-looking monster. Well, once you get to really look yeah. at him, but when it's just the claws coming out of the ocean, it feels like that would be like a really cool amusement park ride. Yeah. To like, you're just or, in or a boat a or whatever. Or a science fiction book cover. Yeah. Um, well, you, 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 you probably read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and there's yeah. the giant squid attack, and that's mm-hmm. become really iconic, in part, yeah. in part thanks to the really good Disney movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I got a thing about that. Chris, what I like about Jules Verne is how technical he is. He goes into, yeah. like, a lot of the details about how this stuff works. My, uh, my parents put in a, we were able to afford to put in a swimming pool when I was a kid, and Ooh. we had one of those, like, uh, you know, vacuum cleaner things, and it yeah. had, like, a long... Kind of crawls around on the floor. Yeah, it had, like, a long hose that uh-huh. was, like, connected to, like, a, like a filter, mm-hmm. and, um... I was deeply convinced that that meant that there was a giant squid next door and it was like reaching in <laughs> to our pool. <laughs> so I was very nervous about that. It's like a s- subterranean squid reaching into yeah. your pool. Yeah, the only, we only got the one tentacle, but that's a dangerous tentacle. Stay away from that. No, I, 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 I get that because I, I, I have a deep, I can't swim in deep water. Oh. Because I, I get deathly afraid that there's, like, a, a whale or a giant fish beneath me. That's how I'd like, feel not, if I was, not, like... Not coming up to get me, necessarily. No. Just the idea of yeah, something swimming creepy, right? underneath me kind of creeps me I, out. I've never been swimming... Like, I've, I've, I've been swimming at the beach mm. a lot, and I've gone out pretty far. But, like, I've never been, like, in a boat, a sea, mm. 
and then just gotten in the water. I'm like, I'm not getting in. I can yeah, that, swim fine. I just yeah, don't that, trust it. That would freak me out too. Yeah, yeah. Sperm whale could just come up and go, rah, crunch. And I'm like, well, this was fine. I, I'd get Alanis more, Morissette was right. I, I'd get more scared if like it, it sort of swam up underneath me and just sort of brushed my feet. Right? That would scare me more. Yeah, because um, the scale of it's just gigantic. You can't even fathom it. Mm. No pun intended. Um yeah. But uh, suddenly the boat crashes and they end up on this island, Lechi Island, and they're on like this rocky beach, and they climb up a, a mountain, mm. and when they, and this is never explained, they climb up on the mountain and then like they put their hand on like you know the the, the flat ground at the uh. top, and there's a sword there, yeah, it's just a well, random sword. We never find out mm. who it was. Well, there's people there. There um, are, but there are sword people. There's some uh, natives from Infant Island that have been kidnapped yes. and brought to uh, Lechi Island. And I think if they were kidnapped, they probably confiscated the swords and didn't just leave them around all willy-nilly. Well, but there's also this uh, rogue paramilitary operation going mm-hmm. on there. Uh, they're called them. They call themselves the Red Bamboo. Yes. And they are manufacturing weapons using the Infant Island natives as slaves. But they're not manufacturing swords. They've got guns. But no, one, no one's got a sword. But, I mean, like, modern U.S. Marines carry swords. They don't not, carry not, them into combat. Yeah, exactly. Not regular. But, and again, they wouldn't leave them around. Like, out I, I in the middle not. of nowhere. It's, it's just, it's it's a weird detail. Uh, I get that it's useful for them to have a sword repeatedly throughout the film. Mm-hmm. They could hack and slash their brushes with it. There's a part where well, they use it to conduct point, electricity. Yeah. I get that. But the justification for how they get it is just completely random. They, they just sort and, of have it. And I think it's indicative of just how loosey-goosey this whole film is. It, it does have sort of that effort quality. It's like, yeah. uh, and there's a sword, and this is like, just, and, it, and it's just there for fun. We've gone from a psychic... To a missing person, to a dance competition, to a yacht heist, to a bank robbery, to a giant sea monster, to terrorists on an island making nuclear weapons who are kidnapping people from Mothra's Island, mm. and it gets weirder. Like, that's just, <laughs> we, a, that's so scattershot. And uh, Mothra's in it, Infant Island is right nearby, uh-huh. and uh, Mothra is asleep. The Ma- entire film. The entire film. Mothra's they, just sort of napping. They and, keep cutting back to her, and she's and the, just napping. And the, and the natives are all trying to sing Mothra awake, and yeah. uh, the peanuts are gone. Oh, yeah. They, no they, they, no they got, more. They got too big for these movies. We now have a, a, a pop duo called Pear Bambi, mm-hmm. who I think is not nearly as popular as the Peanuts ever were. Well, they were. don't have their own Wikipedia page. I can tell you that yeah. right now. Uh, let me see. Uh, their names were uh, Yuko and Yoko Okada, actual yeah. identical twins. Yeah, they uh, don't this, have nearly as much to do. They're fine. They and this, do the is, job. this is their only Mothra appearance. Yeah. They, they get other pop duos to sing yeah. the, at Mothra. The, the plot future. really doesn't revolve around them. They give a little exposition, really. But like, yeah, they're fine. They, yeah. They're perfectly good. Yeah. Um, but, but we, we have, you know, if we have Mothra, we have to have the the singing twins, and it's yeah. notable that they've, that they've been recast. So uh, our our heroes are concerned that because there's a sword, this island must have cannibals on it. This plot line goes nowhere. Uh, and then they realize... Well, these that... are... these are. We should maybe really solidify that these are bumbling comedic characters. Yes. These aren't like everyman or heroic figures. These no. are comedy figures. I think two of them are. I think the dance guys are definitely comedy figures. Yeah. I think our hero is... The, you know, the beleaguered brother is... is um, like like I said, he kind of, he feels like he's kind of detached from a lot of the action, mm-hmm. and his his ignorance is presented also kind of comedically. But he is on a quest. He's on a yeah. heroic quest. He is trying to save his brother, and we can wrap our heads around that. And that's not something a fool mm. would necessarily be doing in the lead of a film. And then there's the bank robber who is kind of weirdly inconsistent in his characterization, mm. but he's very capable. He's got a skill set that comes in yeah. handy. Um, he's very like. Oh gosh, I'm ima- okay. I'm now, now imagining these exact types. Yeah, the naive boy on a quest, the two clowns, uh-huh. and the stoic warrior figure. Uh-huh. And I'm just thinking of the Hidden Fortress. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're not even this is the, like those types. Those yeah. are almost it's, exactly. It's, it's the a same. ragtag group of misfits uh-huh. on a quest. Except the quest is completely random. Doesn't make sense. It has no themes. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> It's a 
very strange film. But like, I can if, kind of... if in the Hidden Fortress they resurrected Godzilla to eat a lobster, I, th- I think my biggest regret about this is you've got these characters, and they pick up a few other characters, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But you've got these are a main four. Mm. You've got these characters, and you have our our young naive hero who you know can sail. That's a mm. useful skill. That's something that will be important over the course of the, especially the beginning, but it's important in the film. You got the bank robber, and he's uh, clever. Uh, he can sneak around. He can pick any lock. You know, he's got skills. And then you have, you know, uh, Mary and Pippin, basically. And, oh, more, yeah, more or less. But the difference is that they actually do have a skill. And it's I, they introduce it's, at the beginning of the movie. It's and dancing. I, I thought that would be important later. <laughs> nope. No, I was like, listen, just Mothra is not waking up. Maybe these guys will dance. Oh, wouldn't that be mom? great if yeah. they dance and that's how Mothra wakes if up? If it just paid off later, the thing you introduced, mm-hmm. like maybe that would have been kind of good writing. No, that's we're just, we're just not doing that. That's that is a rule you do not have to follow. Apparently, good to know. Um, so yeah, it's they they have stuff to do. They contribute to the story, but they contribute stuff that anyone could have yeah. if they were there. So it's just really ridiculous. Um, they pick up uh, one uh, one of the women from uh, Infant Island who's been brought to Lechi Island. Mm. Uh, she's escaped. Uh, they team she's up h- with hiding her. out, and they, yeah, they yeah. run into her. Yeah, they team up with her, and they're going to try to investigate what's going on. Uh, they sneak into like. Basically, the fortress of doom. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's the high tech uh, yeah. paramilitary lab, and yeah. and they sneak in. You know, it's it's, it's high tech. They've got high tech security. They've got like Gatling guns and and uh, spotlights, and of course, they sneak in uh, using you know really the, the the most ingenious method you've ever seen a fake bush. They put a bush <laughs> in front See, of them. Does it have big comedic cartoon eyes on it? It should. Because that's basically what it's doing. They've got a big bush and they've removed it from its from its earthly tendrils. And they are just carrying it with them and hiding behind it. And then if they accidentally make a noise, the spotlight goes on them and they all hide behind the bush. And then they wait. And then they wait. And as soon as the spotlight moves, they move the bush a little bit more. It's like a Scooby-Doo. And it's, yeah, it's a very, very Hanna-Barbera vibe on this yeah. movie. They break into the into the the Doom Fortress, and I love whoever designed this Doom Fortress really knew what they were doing because every single hallway has places you can hide, which is exactly what you want when you have like an, a secret conspiracy Doom Fortress you don't want anyone breaking into. Like there's constantly columns and things that like they serve no practical purpose except our heroes can hide. Yeah, love it. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. They they crack a few doors. They discover a few, like, cool weapons, like smoke bombs. And there's this wonderful bit where they break into this giant lab and they see this big safe. And, of course, the safe cracker is like, ooh. So he's going to open it and, like, we're going to go in there. We're going to see what's up. And he's, like, trying to, like, he's put his ear up against the, the, the dial to hear that little click mm. that people in movies can hear and real can, people they can, can't. They can <laughs> Safe, well, safe cracker. I'm sure a safe cracker can do it. I, I've I think seen, they usually have like a stethoscope. I, but yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen enough movies to know that they're listening for when, like, they turn the dial very slowly. Yeah, and they can actually hear those little the tumblers itty bitty move. tumblers yeah. fall into place. Sure, I, I understand the principle of it. It yeah. just it, it, they make it look real easy. Basically, is my point. And even joke about that in the movie. It's like that looks really easy, and the guy's just like, yeah, it looks really easy if you're an amateur. And I'm like, yes, that's what he just said. Anyway, he opens up this giant wall safe and they all run in and then they all immediately run out because they just ran into a nuclear reactor. And I'm like, great, you're all going to die now. (laughs) (laughs) You just literally probably got like lethal doses of radiation, but we're not going to talk about that. So they run out. They realize these guys are making nuclear bombs. They're discovered. They flee. 
they get separated. Um, but uh, they end up in a cave. The cave is like underneath like a cliff mm. face, so like the bad guys can't see that there's a cave there, and they think that they might have jumped. Um, and inside the cave, Godzilla, just recovering from the the Ghidorah but, fight. That's it's never explicitly stated, but that's implied. And I love that Godzilla, like Mothra, spends a lot of this movie asleep. Yes. I also like that... And, and I would have stayed asleep if they hadn't woken up on yeah. both of these monsters. I also love that Godzilla is asleep in a most undignified pose. Like, it's not, like, profane or anything like that. He looks he like looks... he went on a bender yeah. and his head is on the curb. Yeah, yeah he, like, he, like, collapsed on the couch, like, face first with his butt in the air, basically. He looks like it. He, he looks like my college roommate, basically. <laughs> like, on a typical night. And, like, it, it's, it's, it's hilarious, but it's also very in keeping with Godzilla. Uh, Godzilla will be important later. They're first, they're very nervous about, like, maybe we shouldn't wake up Godzilla. Wouldn't it be funny if Godzilla wouldn't, wasn't important? <laughs> That'd be great. That'd he be kind of isn't Godzilla. for a lot of the movie. He's kind of incidental. They use Godzilla in this movie hmm. the way you would use, like, fireworks as a distraction, basically. Well, they need Godzilla to fight Ebera. And, uh, yes. they, they know they need to fight off Ebera. Um, in addition to manufacturing weapons on this island... Mm-hmm. Red bamboo is also harvesting, uh, essentially drawn butter. Uh, it looks like drawn butter. It's it's, it's this a, it's a yellow this, this liquid, like yellow viscous liquid that they're distributing in uh, in the water, mm. which keeps Ebera at bay. So Ebera yeah. keeps near the island, mm-hmm. but doesn't get so close that that it's gonna attack. It's like it's like when a people. dog pees on a tree, and mm-hmm. other dogs like, oh, that's that's Scruffy's tree. I understand mm-hmm. that now. So when they like, so whenever a boat goes into the harbor, it's like spraying pee everywhere, and that's what yeah. it looks like. And then Ebro is just, just like, oh, y- that's Scruffy's boat. Yeah. So Ebro is staying outside of like the the range of this thing, like just on the skirt outskirts of it. But they mm-hmm. need to uh, flee the island, so they they need to get through Ebro to get away. Yeah. And, uh, they can't get rid of Ebera, but they know that uh, Godzilla can. There's some brief debate mm-hmm. that Godzilla might kill them if uh-huh. they wake him up. Which leads to one of my favorite lines. Nah, Godzilla wouldn't do that. Godzilla wouldn't do that. <laughs> we're, we're approaching the point now where casual, like, people who aren't, like, super involved in Godzilla stuff have, like, an opinion of Godzilla that's gone from Godzilla's a monster and will destroy us all and we have to destroy Godzilla to he's okay. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's a grump, <laughs> you know. You don't want to get in his way, yeah. but he, he's cool. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's not a bad guy. He's he's fine. So they got the plan. They're gonna wake up Godzilla. How are they gonna wake up Godzilla? I guess they could have tried nudging him, but instead they hook him yeah, up. They try nudging. They can walk or stomp on his eyeball. It wouldn't wake him up. What are you talking about? You've never been like woken up by like a, a mosquito or something? Like you they, you could you could totally nudge him or poke him awake. I I, I couldn't. I don't know how sensitive his nerve ends are in his skin. Well, like, that he, is a he, fair he, point. He can be, like, blasted by tanks and stuff and be all right. Well, why don't you just, like, you know, like, blow in his ear or something, you know? Make it all subtle. Like, <laughs> you know what? I love it when they do. Wake, <laughs> wake up, Angel. They, yeah. they, well, they don't, they don't try to think of, just like... Just touch my cheek before you leave They me. come up with a way to wake up Godzilla that's, like, guaranteed to piss him off. Because they wire him up to that sword we mentioned earlier. And they put the sword on top of that cliff. Uh, right when the, fortunately for them, there's a rainstorm coming, but the thing gets hit by lightning a few times. Godzilla's like, ah, oh, the fuck, come on, God! <laughs> and he wakes up and he's all pissed. But I'm like, what, what if you tried to wake him up in a way that wouldn't make him? What if we just made a fresh pot of coffee? What, and he what just like woke up going like. Hmm, coffee. The problem is the kind of coffee Godzilla likes to drink is made of ground up infant island people. No, because Godzilla doesn't really eat people. What Godzilla eats is radiation, and since they were all in that reactor, mm. they probably got radiation to spare. So I think if you just made the... Anyway. Godzilla wakes up. And Godzilla, at, at this point, is just trapped in a world he never made. Every <laughs> fucking time... Every fucking time this guy literally just wakes up... Mm bullshit happens to him and I'm starting to feel really bad for him because he's just he's just sleeping it off yeah he's not bothering anybody <laughs> and he's been they they were able to build a nuclear doom station uh-huh. 
which could not have been quick. It at least took months, probably years. And Godzilla's been there this whole time. And they never knew. He is not bothering anybody. He's and just then they, hiding out in a mountain. Yeah, yeah, that's all he wants to do. It's just not bother anybody. It's very, it's almost noble. And then they fucking electrocute him awake. And they, he they gets the, up. Yeah. And they, they I, I forgot where they got like the wire. Oh, no, they when they picked up like the smoke bombs, uh, the oh, lady from right, Infant Island the, uh, like the, picked uh, up. She she thought it, lo- it looked kind of like, like I don't a, know. A like necklace. A, a kind of like a cool necklace, neck. but right, it was actually yeah. like a big old so, like So it was set wire. up. It yeah. was, it was. That was, that was going to be important later somehow. Um, Godzilla bursts free of the mountain. Like Mr. Wilson yelling at Dennis the Menace, like, what? And then who is there but right there but Ebera? And Godzilla's like, oh, you fuck. Oh, you. I love that he, he looks at a monster and he just says, this won't do. <laughs> I, I don't know if he assumes Ebera's responsible for waking well, it's, him it's, up. It's like a dog maybe, and a cat. Like, or, they're, they're just they're naturally antagonistic. Yeah, so he picks up a rock and he throws it at Ebera. And they back and forth a little bit. It's like Pong. Yeah. Like, it's they're literally playing ping pong with a giant rock. It's, it's quite the, absurd. It's it's one of like the because they they've done this done this before where yeah. someone will throw, throw a rock at Godzilla and bat it back with his tail yeah um, but it's back and forth over and over over and, and over this. again it goes it's, on for a while it's it's the least effectual like most toothless moment in Godzilla to date oh I don't know I think still think that dance was pretty bad oh I did no, all right. Uh, I know. I know you I, were more. I'm. You, I'm fond of the dance myself, but uh, I. I. You. You put it into context for me. How I was kind of forced in out. Uh, it's like a pop culture. reference. Yeah, it's a pop culture yeah. reference that he sure Honda didn't want in the movie. Yeah. It's yeah. So it's. It would be like if in like Goldeneye, all of a sudden Pierce Brosnan was dabs like or something. Well, well, yeah. Or if he was just like, don't have a cow, man. Yes, it was from The Simpsons. I watched The Simpsons. He dropped a cow on somebody. Yeah, oh, there you go. Don't have a cow, man. Yeah, because then, but then it's like an instant. Not that this is the most important thing in the world, but it does. It instantly dates the film, and yeah. it like makes it feel like a very specific product of its time, and it just becomes kitsch immediately. Yeah, and uh, and that's been a, a, an issue a lot of fans of these movies have yeah. that they're uh, perceived as as camp in mm-hmm. the United States. Um, to Part be of fair, is, a lot of them kind of are pretty ridiculous. Yeah, uh, but the, the the American dubs do not help that at all. No, no, no. And, yeah. and I think it, the American dubs, the fact that they were uh, proliferated on like late night TV, just mm-hmm. the venue where you got them. They, a lot of them were double features. And yeah, the these second. weren't like cleaned up and released with subtitles yeah. in like widespread American theaters. These mm-hmm. were... Uh, uh, Ephemera. They're yeah. just sort of like flitting through this, the consciousness. Uh, again, and, uh, even the original Gojira wasn't released in its original form until the 2000s yeah. in America. Yeah, it was like 2004. Um, yeah. And, but here's something I actually really appreciate about Godzilla is that it is actually both of those things simultaneously. Yeah. They are uh, tokusatsu entertainments made by filmmakers who are trying to make quality entertainment. Mm. Uh, some of them have... Profound things to say about nuclear power, mm-hmm. or sort of the the nature of sacrifice. They actually try to put some humanity in some of these movies, mm-hmm. but at the same time, in the United States, they are broad and kind of ridiculous, mm-hmm. and do have this kitsch factor mm-hmm. that lent to uh, lent them an almost subversive mm-hmm. quality. Mm-hmm. Where this is the sort of thing that you find Mm. this is something that's really off the beaten path compared to really really strange and absurd in the middle of the night again you compare that to a lot of american media Mm. even in the 1960s where like the hippie movements were starting to build and things Mm. were getting a little weird uh there was still a certain rigidity and structure Mm. um and this is something that was like the more you explore international storytelling and art the more you realize like how much the art that you grow up with what you were told to define as good or quality or even the or even if you want to get less subjective uh or still subjective but mm-hmm. uh, more technical like you know what is good storytelling structure for example um you realize a lot of that is very cultural and it's just like the, the standard of what makes a good movie isn't universal all over the globe mm-hmm. and I think I grew up with, and I know a lot of, a lot of the people who did uh, here in America, this idea that tonal conformity throughout a piece was was good. 
Mm. You want your movie to have a consistent tone. You want your movie to have a consistent... If it's in one genre, it stays in that genre. Yeah. It, and that way, you create a world that is... Uh, its consistency makes it more believable uh, and more respectable. And if anything that breaks that... Uh, is very jarring, and we t- tend to think of that jarring quality as bad. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. And if you approach storytelling with the mindset that, yeah, you literally can do everything. There don't have to be these very rigid conformist rules. Uh-huh. Uh, you can have films that with stuff you can take seriously that are also ridiculous or that also break the fourth wall. Yeah. And I realized that when I complained about the dance in Invasion of Astro Monster, uh, I, that I'm partly I'm describing the taste that I have developed based on the art that I consumed uh-huh. growing up. I have grown over the years to appreciate wilder art, yeah. for lack of a better word. Uh, that doesn't mean I always think it works. And for me, having watched so many Godzilla movies, that dance just really stood out in a way that was like kind of cheap. Uh, But I'm okay with them being weird. I'm okay with them being, you know, just shifting wildly Hmm. in tone and style. I I can work with that. And so for me, like the whole batting the rock back and forth, Hmm. at the same time, nothing in this movie suggested that couldn't happen in Ebera. Yeah. Like, nothing about it was serious. So, they toss the rock back and forth. There's a pretty good fight, actually, between Godzilla and Ebera for a while. I feel like the fight between Godzilla and a giant lobster should end kind of immediately as soon as he uses his radioactive breath and boils the water. Right. (laughs) That should basically be it. Break out the butter. Like, (laughs) we're done here. Uh, but it doesn't. Ebera fucks off. Godzilla, you know, feeling pretty good about himself. And then as soon as Godzilla just like, okay, good. I kicked the shit out of that guy. Nothing else bad could happen to me today. A giant vulture attacks him. It's, it's a condor. What the and, fuck? And the, the condor is actually like, it's a monster condor and it has a name. Does um, it? I actually tried looking they, that up. I just they, thought it was giant condor. They don't say what it is. And so it's mm. not like an official Toho monster. A- according to Wickazilla, it's just called giant condor. But if there's a real name for it in, the, in some other oh, media, I'd love on, to hear I, about um, it. Let me look this up. Oh, wait, here we go. Here we go. Um, it's called uh, Giant Condor or Giant Eagle. Uh, oh, it's all, oh, yeah, you got oh, it. Okandru. Yeah. Or Owashi. Oh, hmm. uh, or Daiwashi. Or Daikandru. Um, oh, oh, I, I wonder how many of those are basically just big fucking bird. <laughs> like, yeah. Because it's just a big fucking bird. It comes out of no like Abra is like part of the plot. They've like built their doom fortress around Ebra and found ways to like, you know, kind of control Ebra or at the very least prevent him from attacking them. No one mentioned the giant fucking condor. And and it, it kind of bats at Godzilla for a little bit. Yeah. Just goes, Hey, knock knock it off. Yeah. Stop doing that. And then breathes the fire on it. Yeah. It crashes like a plane. Yeah. I love that it just lands like a little crispy bird on the ground and Godzilla yeah. just, I think he does one of those like chin gestures at yeah. it for a second, like, uh, like, just like just brushing his fingernails against yeah. The, yeah, the bottom of his chin. Yeah. But like, seriously, imagine you weren't on a bender last night and you were just trying to sleep it off. You're alone. All your friends have like moved out. You haven't seen Rodan in years. Like you're just, you're it, it, and then someone it's so hard to make friends as an adult. And then someone teases you awake, <laughs> and you run outside to see who the fuck did that. And all of a sudden, some fucking asshole is out there. I assume Ebro was talking shit, mm. and that's why Godzilla threw a rock at him because we know they talk to each other. We just can't. We just can't understand them most of the mm. time. So and so, you throw a fucking rock at the guy, and the guy catches the rock and tries to throw it at you. And then you catch the rock and try to throw it at him. And after a while, you say, fuck it. And you jump in a fucking swimming pool and you punch the guy until he leaves. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, at the very least, that asshole is out of my life. And then a giant uh, fucking condor attacks you. That's a bad day. Picture like a Harmony Korean movie. Like yeah. a, guy, a guy wakes up drunk, goes out to the pool. And there's some asshole in the pool on a floaty with like a, an 18 pack of beers. Yeah. And just starts throwing full beer cans at him. 
The guy just jumps in the pool. Oh, fuck you. I'm just rip your arms off. Like, if Godzilla was just a guy, we would have so much sympathy for him. He's got such a rough life. First of all, he's wearing a black tank top. I can tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) And he definitely has, like, middle-aged spread. Like, he's one of those thick bodies. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that, like, Robert Mitchum tough guy bod. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, he's tough, you don't want to fight him, but he's also not, like, sculpted. Yeah, it's like, you know? yeah, but hitting, hitting him wouldn't do much because, like, hitting a big slab yeah. of beef. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That, that's that's Godzilla the man. Yeah. <laughs> there's a big chunk of the movie. Wait, wakes up and he's hungover. There's a, there's Dude, a, where's my car? There's a big chunk of the movie here, like, after all of this shit happens, that Godzilla, and, and again, I just have so much pity for him right now. Godzilla, having woken up to being tased... Fighting a giant lobster, and then a completely fucking random giant condor attacks him. Hmm. He just sits the fuck down. It's he the first just time you've seen him sit. He, yeah, he like, just like, sits down, and he's like, "I'm just, you know what? I'm gonna rest for a second. I, I can't. Don't just do something. Sit there. Am I right? Just. Oh, what the fuck else can go wrong? And then the fucking red bamboo guys come up and shoot him. I'm like, the fuck! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Can nothing go right? Okay, this sucks now. <laughs> oh God! So, oh, and, oh, and by the way, uh, in the midst of all this crap, uh, the two co- comedy uh, relief guys, uh, one of the comedy relief guys, uh, got separated and wound up with all the Infant Island uh, prisoners, uh, and he's telling them, "Hey, listen, they're using this stuff to prevent them I- Ebra from killing them. Let's stop making it right." Yeah, they, they spike it. Yeah, let, let, that'll kill them all. Like, it's great. Like, we, they've given us too much power over them. Haha, <laughs> those fools. Uh, which is not a bad plan. Mm. And uh, and our hero, the one who started us on this journey, uh, gets caught up in a weather balloon. And I love that the weather balloon is treated like a really good security system, like spot from the prisoner. And, like, he gets <laughs> caught up in a weather balloon. And there's... The, the, spot, you mean the big inflatable ball? Yeah, weren't they called spot? They were called rovers. I don't think it's called Spot. They're both dog names. I guess. Yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking of. Um, anyway, um, so our, our hero got caught up in the weather balloon, and there's like, as they're like fleeing, and like our, his friends see him like fly away, uh, the lady from Infant Island says, Oh, maybe he'll end up on Infant Island. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Depending on the wind, you can go in 360 degrees in any direction. Like This, this is cartoon logic. Uh-huh. You're in a balloon, there's an island nearby, you're going there. And he ends up on the island... And he sees his brother there, and his brother's like, "Great, we have to go back and save everyone from Infant Island." Uh, can Mothra help? No, Mothra can't wake up yet. Fuck. Okay, so they give him a boat, and they boat over there, and they get attacked by Ebero again because, of course, they fucking do. Uh, and then they end up on the island, and they're going to try to help out. And they're they're all they were told uh, by I keep wanting to call them the Peanuts. What are they called now? Bambi. Pear Bambi. Pear Bambi. Yeah. They're told by Pear Bambi. Uh, when you see all the Infant Island people, tell them to make a big net. And they say, why? And they say, uh, we'll tell you later. And I'm like, you could just say so Mothra can pick them so up. So Mothra can pick them up and like, rescue them? Like that, that, takes as, yeah. that takes as long to say as what you said. I hate it in movies when people do that. <laughs> like, There's no, no, no time. There's plenty of time, actually. If it's a surprise, fine. But it's always... There's a great episode of The Simpsons where the, the people in Shelbyville stole their lemon tree. And, like, okay. Nelson, like, ran into class and said, Quick, come with me! There's no time to explain! And they have to run all the way across town. And Bart's like, I think there's time to explain. No! I said there's no time, and I stand by that. <laughs> anyway, that's supposed to be a big fucking mystery, but it's not. Um, they uh, Godzilla starts stomping shit. Uh, they break in to try to rescue the prisoners and also stop the nuclear arsenal from exploding, which of course it's going to in thirty minutes. Um, the red bamboo guys try to flee on their boat, but of course the yellow stuff doesn't work, and Ebera destroys the shit out of them. Uh, Godzilla. Fights Ebera and kills him. Like no, he doesn't kill him. He rips off his claws. Rips off rips the claws. Off, which I, yeah. we will see Ebera again. So I guess they grow back. The, For these mo- these sake, monsters are do. pretty resilient. There's resilient, as, as and then found. there's just growing your claws back. I mean, that's more of a Frankenstein thing than a 
kaiju thing. I don't think crustaceans grow their claws back. I don't that's think a, they that's do. a lizard thing. I, exactly my point. Um, so they're trying to stop the nuclear arsenal from from exploding. Uh, I'm trying to think, there's so much fucking going on. Um, we, we, I think we've hit all the beats at this point because we've had that big final fight between Godzilla yeah, and the Horror of the Deep. Here, yeah. Um, yeah, in in the United States, this was released as Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, so you want to see him fight the Sea Monster, and, and he, he does. And he does. And that's when uh, uh, Mothra finally wakes mm-hmm. up, and Godzilla's has now dispatched the lobster, and now he's going to kill everybody because mm-hmm. he's still kind of a monster. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's when, but luckily, that's when uh, uh, Mothra was awakened. Mothra mm-hmm. flies over. Some blue screen effects on Mothra. Uh, a few. Uh, and, they, uh, they tried to use that very little in this movie. but they And Mothra uh, waves her wings and uh, kind of knocks Godzilla back with the power of, like, gale force winds. Because I think Godzilla's still just pissed at everyone right now. It's yeah. like, oh, not you two. What's your shit? You're going to start... Well, no, I'm trying to save some people. No, we're going to have this conversation right now. Mothra's like, God damn it, Godzilla. I got so much to do today. <laughs> you know, you're not the only one who just woke up. Okay. <laughs> and then they, the, they, the fuck is it now? They, they, yeah. they picks up all the people and they're big like, fuck off now. And it's, it's they didn't have the special effects or the extras to like have yeah. everybody run onto the net that we've seen in the movie. Uh-huh. So it looks like Mothra's only saving like fifteen people, which is still not bad. But it's also, still, a lot of people not, are going to die. I think we're, we're supposed to infer that everybody's getting off in that net. Yeah, we are. Yeah, they're just going to. They actually filmed the people getting on the net, and it looks like not yeah, a lot of people a, got a on the A small fraction, yeah. yeah. Um, they didn't really use, like, low angles or repeated shots. Yeah. Just one wide shot of 15 people walking on a, on a net. Anyway, Mothra is carrying them all to safety. The island's about to blow up in a nuclear fire, and that's when they see Godzilla there just sort of looking at him all alone on the island, and they realize, oh, shit, Godzilla's going to blow up. Ah, uh, he doesn't deserve that. Get out of there, Godzilla! And they're yelling at him, get to the ocean! You can survive if you get to the ocean! You can do it, buddy! And Godzilla somehow takes the hint, yeah. <laughs> jumps into the ocean, and he swims away, and they're all very happy. Um, uh, t- uh, two things with this. One, they have to end, as they always do, with the I learned something today line. But they make fun of it. They do. They, that's they what's kind weird. Of, they kind of send it up a little bit. They say, um, well, that's the end of the island, but not the end of atomic bombs. Let's hope they're used wisely or not at all. And the guy's like, shut up. We don't need your speeches today. <laughs> what the shit? Um, yeah, and, then, and they see Godzilla made it out after everything explodes, which is great because he does not deserve that shit. Um, this the the scene of God, them leaving Godzilla on the island gave me like really traumatic flashbacks to that one part in um, uh, Jurassic Park: Fallen Kingdom where they're trying to save oh, really? all the dinosaurs and one of them like you see one of them die. Well, you don't just see one of them die. They're like the they're like the dinosaurs are, like trying to get off the island and the boats like leaving the island as this volcano is exploding and you see a brachiosaurus and later on in interviews they confirmed that's the very first brachiosaurus we ever saw in Jurassic Park and that brachiosaurus is like chasing after them and you can hear him saying hey guys wait up wait wait for me wait you're coming back right guys and then we see it die and it's the most depressing fucking thing Jurassic World you didn't fucking earn that you just threw that at us at least Godzilla gets away but I felt really bad for him for a minute because once again life shits on Godzilla (laughs) and Godzilla shits back to be fair and this is why I love Godzilla Godzilla shits back that's the next movie But Godzilla, he wakes up and he fights people and we think that that makes him a bad guy. You would too if everyone treated you like this. Mm. Poor jackass. Like, Jesus Christ. Poor dumb dope. (laughs) (sighs) One last thought Mm. about Ebera Horror of the Deep. It's more of a question. Other than it's not very good. It's not very good. It's not 
don't think it's the worst one I've seen yet. Maybe it is. What is the worst one we've seen yet? Ooh, that's a good question, actually. Okay, that's I'll, I'll answer could, that could, question first. Because you said you liked Godzilla Raids again, and I think that's kind of like it's the functional, cheapest, though. shabbiest one. It's functional. Like, you can tell how they're kind of skimping on that one. I mean, it's not technically a Godzilla movie, really, but Varen kind of sucked. Okay, yeah. Varen's yeah. kind of... Kind of Kind of a nothing film, yeah, fair. Uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I'm not going to defend Varan the unbelievable. I, I would say I would say Varan is, pr- especially yeah. the American version, but like I would say Varan is probably the low end. Ebera is close to it, but there's stuff I like in Ebera. Um, it's it moves quick. Um, there's some fun weird bits. The monster fights are actually pretty good. Um, and again, I found Godzilla in- increasingly sympathetic in ways that made yeah. me really really love him. The question I had when I was watching this movie, we've, we've, we've joked about it a couple of times. Which kaiju would be the tastiest? Well, I mean... Ebera's the obvious you, you pick. Can, you can taste Ebera, like, yeah. just looking at him. Yeah, like, no, you know what Ebera's gonna taste mm. like, but, like... And you joked about eating Mothra. Mm. Like... Dogra's probably pretty yummy, right? Dogra's like a big floating amoeba thing. We all squishy yeah, but I I look at it as okay. Okay, well, clearly a giant octopus would be delicious. Well, we've had we've had a uh, turtles, or we had a um, did we have a turtle? We had Anguirus. <coughs> uh, Anguirus was a, was an ankylosaurus. Uh, no, all right, fair. Yeah, just had you know that spiky shell on its back. Yeah, pictured as kind of turtle-ish. Yeah, I guess Rodan could barbecue well. I guess they did barbecue Rodan <laughs> at the end of that movie. They barbecued yeah. two Rodans. I, uh, Bring the yeah. kids. That condor would probably taste the best. Oh, yeah. That's what the, we even got to see it get cooked. We probably should have recorded this before, like after dinner. Anyway, uh, <laughs> any last thoughts on Ebera? No, no. I think we, I think we kind of covered every every yeah. base with Ebera. Um, I I think Ebera is kind of a not a very great monster design, like. Mm. I, I like that they, you know, try to have a, a sea monster. That's kind of neat. That sea monster, other than cool. the octopuses that we've seen so far. And I maintain uh, that the sequences where it's just his giant claws coming out mm. of the ocean. I think they did a really good job of the scale there, and it mm. felt kind of scary. I think, I think if Ebira was slightly more humanoid, mm. like had a head and big like shoulders and arms, mm. like a lobster person, that would yeah. look a kind of a lot scarier. I, I think it just shouldn't just look like a giant fuck off lobster. I think mm. he should look like something a, a humanoid lobster. Fine, mm. then I think you're getting into more Corman territory. But whatever, well, maybe so. Yeah. But like, I think if maybe if it was like, what if it was like, uh, oh, what was the what was the giant sea monster from um, from the submarine movie? The giant sea. Remember, monster like the giant the like snake like one. Oh, Manda. Manda. From like, Atragon. Like, yeah. imagine, like, something, like, a little bit more, you know, a little bit more Manda, but, like, maybe thicker, and it had the claws. Like, something just, like, really strange. Mm. Like, something, because that's when you think about, when you think about, like, Cthulhu and shit. The whole yeah. point is you're supposed to, like, your mind can barely take it. Like, how strange it is. Mm. And I think maybe if they'd gone with that, instead of just Big Lobster... Brightly lit, we can see yeah. how how goofy it looks. Yeah, give it a weirder face. Give it like a mm. you know scarier teeth. I don't know something. Um, I feel like you could have done more with it. Yeah, and uh, I like the monster designs from this mm-hmm. era. Just they had to make suits that people could fit inside of, or like special effects they could do easily. Um, yeah. By the time we got to sort of CGI monsters, they started to over design the monsters a little bit. I feel like if they did ever. Mm. Uh, these days, it would look really kind of kind of cool in a way that is actually not exciting to watch. Yeah, it looks it looks too sleek and like it looks like it looks like it's been designed by a person. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. like so detailed that you want the camera to linger on it for like way too long just so you can take it all in. But yeah. then they just sort of throw it in an action sequence. Yeah, there's, there's like, a sweet spot somewhere in the middle, yeah. I think. And some some of the monsters find it, a lot of them don't. Mm. Um, I I think you'll really enjoy the Heisei era. Mm. Uh, like the rebooted continuity yeah. of Godzilla, which lasted into the nineties, which I don't think I've really uh, seen any of. Yeah, it started with Godzilla. And, uh, it, Godzilla, Return of Godzilla in the United States was Godzilla nineteen eighty five. Yeah, um, and yeah, they really kind of upped their game because special effects had advanced. Sure. And a lot of the monster designs started to look really cool. Um, 
there's going to be an evil Mothra at some point. There's going to be a nice. monster called called Batra, uh, uh, and the, a lot of those monsters look really cool. Uh, I feel like that's the sweet spot when it comes to mm. Godzilla monster design. Because it's still kind of practical, too, though. But yeah, really exactly. Yeah. Like, they're not using CGI yet. The, the The only good CGI Godzilla was Shin Godzilla. Uh, and and, and we're and we're quite a ways away yeah, from we're, Shin that's Godzilla. towards the end of the, yeah. of the podcast. But um, in any case, Ebra. Mm. Um, it's over now. Uh, next time on <laughs> Thank Godzilla, it's Friday. Uh, we're going to be uh, taking another digression away from Godzilla to see what happened to that King Kong we kept talking about before. He fought Godzilla, and then he's been conspicuously absent. You know, like the other Avengers whenever there's a solo Avengers movie and the world is threatened. So uh, we're going to see that there, there actually were further adventures of the Toho version of King Kong, uh, because in King Kong Escapes... He fights Mechanicong. <laughs> Yay! Like a decade before we meet Mechagodzilla, we get a Mechanicong, and that's cool. And that's coming up next on Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't already. That would be great. Please leave us a review if you haven't already. That really helps the show find new people. Uh, and, um, yeah, if you want to listen to these shows, A, without ads... Uh, and B, a week early, in the case of Thank Godzilla, it's Friday. Uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where for even $1 a month, you get Thank Godzilla, it's Friday a week early, and you get to vote for future episodes of The Iron List. But at other tiers, if you have the means and want to contribute a little more, you get a lot of exclusive shows. Uh, you get uh, All Our Yesterdays, our show where we review every single episode of Star Trek. There's a giant back catalog that unlocks for you there. Uh, we're working on our next episode of Only the Best. We're hoping to have that out, uh, I guess, this week, if you're listening to it on the main feed. But next week, if you're listening to it on our Patreon. Uh, that's the show where we review every single uh, film ever nominated for Best Picture. It's one of our favorite things that we do. We do commentary tracks. We just, we just did one for The Exorcist. We do trivia nights. It's a lot of fun and a huge shout out to every single one of our patrons without whom this show would not even be remotely possible. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You mean the world to us. Uh, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, you want to take us to task for anything, do we screw something up, uh, feel free to send us an email. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Uh, send us a physical letter to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yep. And uh, I guess that's it for us. Have a great week and... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.